Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, you've already heard a lot this morning, and uh, while we've been worshiping so far, I've been reflecting on the fact that I think we meet in just about the only high school cafeteria that's decorated with flags of the nations. I don't know how that happened, but God couldn't have planned it better. And each time I look at these flags, I'm just reminded that God loves the whole world. And today, all the disparate voices you're going to hear are actually saying the same thing. God's heart is huge, and he's calling us to open our hearts and be expanded in that way. Uh, When I first saw that Compassion video, it was at Park Community Church several months ago, and... uh, it was before I went to Cape Town. It was at this event promoting that. And when I saw that, my heart was just shaking at the end of that video. I have not been moved by a video that deeply before. And I remember saying in my heart, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I've got to get some of those people from that video to share at our church. I didn't know where they were in the world, but then I found out they're all in Chicago. Studying at Moody, I'm like, God, you are so faithful. <clears throat> and so somehow God led us and... You know, so we have a couple of those folks here today. Um, You're going to hear Michelle share her story. And then afterwards, Richmond is going to come and give us the word of God. And I hope that what they share will shake your heart through the Holy Spirit as well. So Michelle Tolentino, I'm going to invite you first to come and share your story. And then after she's done, Richmond, why don't you just come on up and uh, take the mic. Magandang umaga sa inyong lahat. That's good morning in my native language, Filipino. In the world today, to become a woman is to be poor because 70% of the world's poor are women. And almost 30,000 children right at this very moment, they are dying every day before they reach the age of five because of preventable causes like diarrhea, tuberculosis, and other diseases that we can help them with so that they can live. And two million children today are in the commercial sex trade. And these are the issues that are staring right at our face and telling us that the world is hopeless. And that, those are the issues that is facing the 21st century missions and world evangelization. But where do we go from here, from this, co- from this world called America? And my perspective on this issue was greatly influenced as a child growing up in poverty. You heard a little bit of my story. And I thank God that he brought me here to see how believers in different contexts are very passionate about alleviating not just the physical suffering, but also the eternal suffering of the people in this world. But what does it mean for all of us to say yes to God? What does it mean for us to see all the Christians reaching out to the poor and the vulnerable of this world so that the glory of God will be seen among the nations? And I believe based on the way that I see it in my life, 
there's three parts to us on how we can follow Christ. The first one is on our Christian credibility. Our Christian walk is very important to the world. As a child growing up in poverty, so growing up in poverty would mean that both of my parents were jobless. We live in a very small shack in one of the biggest slums in Metro Manila. And from there, inside our house, dinner for us would look, would look like one egg for all of us in the family. And I have two brothers to support too. But since my parents cannot afford to live in our own house, to live in a house of our own, we were forced to live with 17 of our other relatives. And for a little child like that, poverty is telling me that you are God forsaken. That is the lie of poverty to kids like us. And I saw some of the kids in the streets begging. Some of them, my friends, two of my friends became prostitutes. Some of them sold into child labor and became part of a big trade in the Philippines, prostitution. But then, credibility for Christian is important because one Sunday morning, my aunt called me and, and told me that she will bring me to a compassion-sponsored church, and that is Calvary Church, where at the age of six, I got there. And as I entered that church, I knew that my life will never be the same again because the first thing that I've learned there is that Jesus Christ loves me. And that is a simple thought, but it's a life-changing idea that there is future when you come to accept the saving grace of God in your life. And so our Christian credibility matters because if we do not reflect the love of God to the world, no one can see his glory in their life. No one will see that the God we serve is a loving and a very compassionate God. What hurt God most is his people. Are we really living a life of humility, of integrity, and simplicity? Just like what the Bible says in Luke 14, God, Jesus, calls us to a life of discipleship. He said there that if you do not hate your father, your mother, your wife, your kids, you are not worthy to become my disciple. If you do not carry your cross and follow me, you are not worthy to be called a Christian. And if you do not give your possession to the poor, you are not worthy to be called my disciple. And I've realized that our Christian credibility matters because that what is the world is needing of. They are thirsty about Christian authenticity in the way that we live our life. That even the most intimate relationship in our life right now will look like hate when it comes to following Christ. And that is the first one. The second one that the world needs from us is our Christian compassion. I was literally helped by Compassion International. And the three things that I've learned there is that God wants to reconcile us with him, with ourselves, and with others. And that is the story of the, of the reconciliation that Christ has done in the cross for us. 
And the world is in need of that from us. Because in the world today, people are dying without them knowing the gospel. 400 million people today has no access to the scripture. We have 6,000 in reach and unengaged people groups right now. And how can we bring compassion to them if we as the people of God will not initiate on doing that? Compassion came into my life at the age of six. And a family from Connecticut sponsored me. So they are Tom and Esther Brazil. And I did not know that there are people on another side of the world. I thought that is the world for me. You know, living in a poverty-stricken area in the Philippines. So one day in 1995, my compassion sponsor sent me a picture of them sitting in the snow. We don't have snow in the Philippines. All we have there are rain and flood. That's what we have. So I thought to myself that when you live in a place that there is snow, you must be very rich because we don't have snow there. So I saw their pictures that, wow, they are sitting in the snow, you know, not until I came to Chicago and see that, wow, it is not a good thing <laughs> to have that all year round. But then along with that are the words of encouragement to me telling me, Michelle, you are a precious child of God. We love you. We are praying for you. We are so very proud of you. And as I said in the video, that touched the very depth of my heart and soul because when I was a child, people will just tell me, you will become like your dad, a thief and a drug addict when you grow up. Because my dad became a drug abuser when we were young and left us. We were starving, going to bed hungry, not even knowing where we will get the next meal. But then someone showed me compassion and that's what I realized that the world needs today. I plead you, people in the world today needs us to come into their life so that they will see that Christ, that God is a compassionate and loving God. They need us from, they need us to see and look into their eyes. And that when we see the face of a starving little boy or little girl, sometimes it's so hard to look there because we know that we, we are not sure if we can handle the depth of the pain that they are experiencing deep inside them. And I believe that Jesus was able to never turn away from people who were hungry, sick, poor, dying, and suffering. And no matter how the discomfort and the overwhelming need, he was able to stay connected with them. And they see, and he see these people with eyes of compassion. And I know that even if me, I grew up in poverty, I'm not there yet. But I want to be moving in that direction. That so that Christ can reconcile us with himself, reconcile us with ourselves, that we will give dignity to other people so that they can reconcile to themselves and that they will see the glory of God so that they will also be reconciled to others. And what 
that reconciliation looked like for me was I came to know the Lord. I regained the dignity that God has told me in the Bible that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And now I know that I can make a difference because of the reconciliating power of God. What that looked like for me was I was able to finish a degree because of compassion, send us to school through the leadership development program. I am in the same program with Richmond. So most of us, there are leaders in different communities where compassion um, program was, and we were able to go to the university, hoping that one day we will go back there and also make a difference in the people, in the lives of our kids there, women there. And now the Lord has put into my heart a program it's a literacy program for the urban poor using the arts as a tool for non-formal education. That as people will come to see Christ, they will see him beautiful. And the arts as a way of reconciling people to him. Because it has the power to communicate the love of God to people, even if most of our people in the world right now are illiterate. It has the power to communicate the gospel to them. So... Um, Upon graduation from the leadership development program, I became the marketing director of the first ever gospel theater in Asia, which is named Trumpets. And it stands for Triumphant People Evangelistic Theater Society, and our ministry is focused on Jesus Christ, and we spread the gospel using the professional performing arts as our instrument. And that is the reconciliating power of God in my life that someone made a huge difference in my life through the compassion that they have. And then it eventually made an impact in me. And now I can make an impact in other people's life. And the last Christian character that we need in us is on courage. That courage requires credibility and compassion because we cannot meet and see the overwhelming issues in this world without us stepping out in faith and stepping out in courage. All of the world right now, especially the Christian world, I believe that this has been the virtue that has been lost in Christianity today. That following Christ requires a lot of our courage because the gospel is God's summons for us to surrender our lives to him and follow him in his own terms. And someone has taught me courage in a way that I've seen it the way that he lived it in her life. My compassion sponsor mom sponsored me for 15 years. The woman who wrote to me, I didn't know that she has juvenile rheumatoid arthritis all her life. And the first time that I saw her in 2007... I was shocked about that because I did not know that that is the woman who made a difference in my life. And he told me this, Michelle, I was ready to give up because I thought that I did not make a difference in this world. But I thank God that right at that brink of me giving up, compassion called me and they said, the girl you sponsored for 15 years is now here in the U.S. And we want you to see her. So in 2007, I saw her. And I was so blown away by the glory of God in her life. 
that for her, she thought that she cannot ever make a difference in this world because of her disability. But her disability didn't stop her from loving me and allowing me to live well. And I realized that courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the absence of self. That when we begin to live our lives for something greater than ourselves, we will act as courageous men and women of God, ready to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Thank you, and I hope that you will consider sponsoring a child in compassion. And I want to call on my brother Richmond to share with us the word and be encouraged on how God wants us to take more action in this world today so that he can see, he, he can be seen by the nations and be glorified. I wonder what I can add after, after Michelle. I just feel like we need to pray and go home now. Um, it's always an honor serving besides you, Michelle. I, uh, I have met your sponsors, and indeed it is the glory of God when you see a person that has walked alongside you for such a long time, and they didn't have to. They didn't have to, but they decided that they're going to try to live in a certain way so you can get a chance. So thank you again, Michelle. I'm going to begin this morning to speak, those of you that came with scripture, from the book of James. I want to say that it is an honor and joy again to be here this morning. Uh, my topic, as I present to you, is really a summary of what I have seen in many children's eyes, including my own. As I have walked around, I have seen in the eyes of many children, them saying one word, come into my world. And as I have considered those thoughts and the thoughts that I actually thought myself, I know full well that God enabled James, the brother of Jesus, to write a letter to the church for a certain reason. So I'm going to speak this morning about come into my world, faith in action the epistle of James. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you were glorified. You sit in heaven, for heaven is your throne and the earth is your footstool. You reign over everything and nothing is without your control. You were sovereign over everything. And in the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Jesus, your son, intervened and stepped into life because we were lost. And now we have been reconciled to you. And as we consider the word of James to the church, we hear him say, there is implications of calling yourself a Christian. The Bible says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Looking and saying, what? difference does Jesus make in a person's life? And Lord, we consider James who says that your faith must be followed by works. And Lord, I pray, O King, that even as we expose your scripture, that Lord, you will 
take away every wisdom of man, take away any thoughts that are not consistent with your word. And Lord, may you speak to us. Anything that I say of myself, may it be quickly forgotten, Lord. And may only the word of God stay and bear fruit. I give you glory and praise. And as we lift your name, even in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a brewing frustration among many people today. In my travels around the world, I have met many who have asked questions that I struggle to answer. Especially after seeing grinding poverty in many places around the world. And then I come here to affluence in the West. Why is there so much suffering, they ask. Does God care? How about the church? Does the church care? Why must many lives be stolen? And as I consider these questions, I must say now that I share in this frustration. And therefore, today, I'm going to spend a significant portion considering the letter of James to the church. But first, I want to start by thanking Pastor Dave and the elders here at Harvest for having me and Michelle. Thank you very much. I also want to thank you as the church for sending Pastor Dave with me to Uganda, my country, this summer. He's joining me on a, on a trip to go and train pastors in my country. The pastors are exciting and the excitement continues to increase as they have anticipated for a long time Dave's visit. There are many have been on the church website trying to, trying to learn more of how is Dave. I mean, they, they are preparing for you, Pastor Dave. So uh, we are really excited. I hope when he comes back he's able to dance the African dances. <laughs> We're looking forward to that. But secondly, I want to join you, church, in celebrating many people here at Harvest who have made decisions in the past to live simply so that others can simply live. Celebrating many of you here who have decided to help children in poverty. But my conscience still is disturbed, especially after my recent visit to Uganda. I've seen that the need is still great. As I continue to look at the children, I was like, how much more needs to be done? And as I ponder that, I think and reflect on the words of James. And this morning as I was sitting, I was wondering, if James, the brother of Jesus, our Lord, who wrote the epistle of James, if James was standing here this morning, what would he say to the church? From reading his letter over and over again these past weeks, I can hear him say, Church, stand up for what is right. Let me see your faith by what you do. I hear James call all of us to reconsider what true religion is. And this is how he defines religion. In James chapter 1 and verses 27, we have a very brief, clear 
description of religion by James. James chapter 1 and verses 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That is how James describes true religion. To care for the least of these. To give oneself to God. And say, God, I will be passionate for what you're passionate about. I will be passionate for the things that break your heart. And he also adds to avoid being influenced by the world. Being turned by the things of the world. Bigger toys. Running after toys. Bigger and bigger toys the older you get. I want to give a little background on the book, on the letter of James. James's letter to the 12 scattered tribes of Israel was written in response to many Jews and Gentiles in that day who had become followers of Christ. Who believed the right thing, yet ignored works of faith. Who said that what I believe and what I once professed, that, oh, I believe in Jesus... That's enough. That's all. That's the end of the story. And not caring about works. He was addressing the sharp contradiction between words and actions. The absence of actions. The absence of evidence in the church. The absence of evidence in a person's life. That Christ reigns in that life. And his challenge was this. Show me your faith. By what you do. If I see what you do, I know what you believe. It's very easy to tell what someone believes or what excites somebody after talking to them for five minutes. If you talk to someone for five minutes and before long they're already talking about the Chicago Bulls, you know that that's their passion there. And I do not know what passions each of you have. But after just a short time, someone is able to tell what you believe. And James gives looking after orphans and widows as an example of the way Christians should believe and live out their faith. And this example derives from the Old Testament where we see God commanding his people to take care of those who didn't have anyone to take care of them. Exodus chapter 22 verse 22 expresses this command very, very clearly. James knew God as the father of the fatherless. In Psalms chapter 68 and verses 5, God himself says, I am the father to the fatherless and the husband to widows. James knew God's passion for the poor. As James examined who God is and who his brother, who he had lived with for such a long time, Jesus Christ our Lord is, as James considered who this is, he knew that Christ was passionate about the poor. When we think about the person of Christ, and think even about Christmas Eve, for example, just before Jesus was born on earth, as he planned his way, his company on earth, as you observe where he chose to be born, where he chose to hang out, 
with whom he chose to hang out. As James observed all this, he said, Christ was passionate for the poor, for the separate, for those that many would not associate with, for the voiceless, for those who, who are not heard, those that are ignored, they're far away. Christ was found many times among them. And people asked him, you were a, f- you were a teacher, why are you there? And Christ knew. And this Christ is who we serve today. James, knowing that, I remember reading Deuteronomy 16 and verses 12, and I knew, I'm sure James knew it. God said that every third year, all the tithes and offerings were to take care of widows and orphans. This was law in Deuteronomy 26 and verses 12. James knew that. And so that's why it's only fitting that he would talk about looking at orphans and widows as an example for the Christian walk. In summary, this is what James was saying. Show your faith by your actions. Show us how your new faith has impacted your priorities. Show us how your new faith has impacted your love, the way you love, who you love. Do you love only those who love you? Those you can talk with at the same level length? Or do you consider that who is lost and behind? Show us how your faith has impacted your words. Michelle's life, together with mine, were completely transformed by words. I say it in the video. My sponsor told me, Richmond, I love you. I cannot describe enough how powerful those words were. But for her to say, I love you to someone she has never physically met, but she looks at Christ and knows that she loves me, Those words made a whole difference in my life. Letters, words on letters, completely transformed my life as a child. In an environment where everything didn't even say that to me. Everything spat at me, saying all kinds of things. Look at you. Look at where you will end. There is no hope for you. Who cares? And when I turn around and I hold on to that letter, I say, no, that's not true. Somebody cares. Somebody cares. So there is a reason why James is passionate about seeing the church live out its faith. So the reason I'm here today is to speak on behalf of the voiceless, whom James alluded to. I have walked among many desperate, rejected, and broken people. Many frustrated children whose voices are not heard. I was one of them. Often at the age of eight years. I've thrown out of school. Thrown out of school immediately. My father was murdered. Begging for bread on the streets was my daily life. I chased after banana trucks to get ripes. I shared conversations on the roadside with fellow children who were not in school. I, I remember our conversations. I remember things that made, it la- made us laugh. But I also remember things that made us sad. What does a little girl think 
when she sees her older brother being beaten ruthlessly by a stranger. Only to learn later on that her brother was caught stealing a skirt for her. To bring home for her to wear because he had noticed that her only skirt was tearing and falling apart. Such experiences must not be for children. Now looking back in retrospect, I see that God has allowed my eyes to see much. And my very back has experienced many lashes of a cane on account of trying to steal to provide for my sister when nobody was there. But God is faithful. He is the father to the fatherless. Right in the most desperate time of my life, Compassion International intervened. This intervention was like a joyous daybreak. It brought uncontrolled dancing in my home. The last time I was here, I illustrated, but I feel like doing it again because that's what we talk about on Mother's Day. There is a popular African dance where we use shoulders to dance, and that is celebrating. My mother kept dancing that whole day because we had got news, Richmond, you've got a sponsor. Someone has decided to stop and reconsider how they spend their life and their resources. And they've decided to include you and to give a slice of their income to you. There was a lot of dancing in my home. And I want to say that the child who lived on the street, who spent many times forgotten, whose doors were closed, who would never realize the reason Jesus came, that child stands here before you today. Not the same way I was, but now, because of Heather's gift, because of her determination to live simply so I could simply live, I stand before you with a bachelor's degree in accounting. I'm an accountant now, serving my country. But I'm also a church leader. I would have never considered faith in this God that does not care. But now I learn that actually God loves me. He was there all the way. And now I've given my all to serve him, to share about his love. So there is a reason why James is so passionate about challenging our faith into action. What do you believe about children? What do you believe about the world, the nations, the flags here? When you see them, what comes to your mind? The nations. There is a reason why James is so passionate about that. So there is a reason why he's frustrated also about many today who say they love God, yet do nothing to care for those in need. There's a reason why James is frustrated. 2.2 billion people in the... There are 2.2 billion children in, in the world today. But 1 billion live in poverty. Every other child. Every three... Over 3 billion people today live on less than $2.5 a day. And more than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are ever widening. That means the poor are becoming poorer 
while the rich are becoming richer. And my country is one such. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. And based on enrollment data, about 50 million children of primary school age in developing countries are not in school. And 57% of these 52 million are girls. An estimated 40 million people are living with HIV AIDS, with 3 million deaths every year. And 2.2 million children die each year because they were not immunized. And so even though statistics, these statistics were different in the time of James, this is why James is passionate and even more relevant today. When we speak about compassion, James is calling us to compassion. And compassion is not a mere feeling. It's not sympathy. There's a big difference. Compassion is a calling to action. It's not merely flinging a coin to a beggar. It's standing between the strong man of this world and the orphan. To defend the orphan and the widow. Compassion is the determination to serve the least of these. Not just providing food and water, but seeing to it that every inner condition of this child is transformed to God's likeness, is healed, and that the very strongholds in villages that continue to produce poverty are broken. It's going through. It's telling a child, I've got your back. I'm right here. I'm dreaming with you. Keep going on. God has enabled men like Everest Swanson, the founder of Compassion, in 1952 to build reputable organizations like Compassion International, whose core values are based on God's word. And this is an avenue for you to serve through today. In my own life and in light of James's message, my response with the little financial blessings that God has given me has looked like this. I removed myself from the reprehensible commitments to worldly comfort and chose to sponsor two compassion children. I'm living my dream now. I'm a compassion sponsor. I have wanted to do that for such a long time. And I thank God that I'm able to do that now. Another way I have participated is to support many humanitarian causes in Haiti and in Uganda. And now my very life is spent to equip pastors who are serving in difficult places. And as I consider the letter of James H. Day, I'm saying, God, what else? How else? I challenge you this morning to consider James's concern and the need around us. There must be a radical revision of our priorities. A discernment. A separation of needs from wants for the purpose of building God's kingdom. That is all that God is concerned about. 
building his son's kingdom. Most specifically, many of us hear the truth within us, which is the Holy Spirit, presses us to bear that we can do more for children than we are currently doing. And if this, this describes you, sponsor a child today. And if you're already sponsoring a child, sponsor another child. And to some of you, you might want to consider going a day without food. With a goal to understand poverty from experience. For God to break your heart for the poor. Or to some of you, you might want to sign up for one of the visits to a country so that you can experience firsthand this poverty and come back with a story. While to others, you might want to invite your friends to your house to talk about opportunities to serve the poor. While some of you who are younger, you might want to do like what my sponsor did. My sponsor was 15 years old. She decided to get a job to babysit so she could sponsor me. Whatever you do, let us consider Jesus' life daily and then make our to-do list. Live simply so that someone else can simply live. And if you look at the eyes of many children, as I said in the beginning, you will hear them say, If you are brave, then come into my world. Come into my world. Come into my world. Let us pray. Lord, you love the world so much that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But this began by you looking at us as people in need, a fallen people. We were so in need that you came into our world and brought hope, light, and a true joy that we experience today. Peace that surpasses human understanding. The privilege of serving Christ, both now and all through eternity. Many children do not know the reason you came. And many lives are continually being stolen. Rise us up with the strength of God and give us the grace to serve you with everything that we have so that we will obey the first and most important commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, everything within us. May we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.